Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Meadowview Weekly Sermon Podcast. We're a church who seeks to grow in Christ, gather in community, and go in obedience to the Great Commission. I'm reminded this morning, just by singing that song, guys, that our God has power over death. Amen. I think that's a great reminder for us right now. Let me pray, and if you guys will, in just a moment, we're going to be in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, but let me pray, and then we'll get started this morning. Lord Jesus, we declare you are a living hope today. God, nothing has power over us, no sin, no death. God, because we are resurrected with you in the end. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would be able to focus completely on you and on your word and cast aside all things, God, that are not of you in this moment, God, that we would be free from distractions and we could completely devote ourselves to you for this few minutes that we're here. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name I pray, amen. All right, well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, and we're gonna be in verses one through eight. I had this nice long intro about all the stuff that we were gonna be doing this weekend at D-Now and Beach Camp and all that stuff, but that's all gone, so that's good for you. Um, but hey, I'm very excited about D-Now, and we will reschedule it for some point soon. So um, looking forward to that, and we are also gonna reschedule the Beach Camp fundraiser that we had scheduled for next Sunday. That will be rescheduled to a later date as well, so just keep that on your minds. So as you're turning to John chapter 15, verses one through eight this morning, I've heard this statement in churches before, and I've heard it even outside of church, and maybe you have too, and the statement is this, I know they, and they being a grandkid, a son, a daughter, a friend, et cetera, they're, I know they're saved because they prayed a prayer. I remember walking them down the aisle, and they prayed a prayer. Or maybe you've heard something like, I know that they're saved because they grew up in church. I raised them in church. I know that they're saved. I know I'm saved because I grew up in church. And here's another one, I know that they know right from wrong, good from evil, because they were taught that in church. But church this morning, we're not saved because of time spent in a church building. And we're not saved because we grew up in a Christian home. If you did, like I've told students, that is amazing. And we are blessed to be able to say, yes, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were believers, my grandparents were believers. But church, that does not save us. Jesus says in John 15, eight, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. You see, we're proven disciples of Jesus when we bear fruit. Not when we keep certain rules and certain regulations because we're a Christian or because our granddad was a, a preacher. We're saved when we know we bear fruit. John Piper would define the bearing of fruit as loving others for Christ so that it leads to the conversion of non-believers. We all know that if at least one person, maybe more, that's walked away from the church, maybe we have people in our family that, that claim to be a Christian on a Sunday, but then Monday through Saturday, their lives are completely void of all faith. You see, God just doesn't come on a Sunday and leave the rest of the week to you. <laughs> if there's no fruit, there's no love for others through Christ in our lives, then God is not present, and if God is not present, then we are not his child, and if we are not his child, then church, there is a fire waiting for us this morning. We don't like to talk about that, but it is a very real thing. This morning, I wanna again be, begin by asking you this question. How do people know that you're a follower of Christ? Do they know it because you say, 
or do they know it because you live it? This morning, the question that I have for you is, are you producing fruit? Because Jesus says that we're known to be his disciples when we bear fruit. So my question is, are you producing fruit? We're going to talk about that this morning. The first thing I want you to see this morning in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, says uh, the two types of disciples. The two types of disciples, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You see, Jesus makes a statement here. He makes a statement that it's the last of the seven I am statement. The other one's being, I am the bread of the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. All of these statements made by Jesus imply a exclusion, meaning he is the only bread of life, the only way, the truth, and life, the only light of the world. And the same is true here with this statement. Jesus says he is not just a vine, but the only true vine. This morning, we can choose to be connected to other vines. Because <laughs> there's false vines out there. By him saying, I am the only true vine, that kind of implies there's other vines out there that you can connect to, but the only life-giving true vine is Jesus. See, these false vines can be other religions, it could be idols, it could be sin that we struggle with, but see, false vines are vines that we try to find in life, but they lead us to death and destruction. If you're trying to find life in anything other than the true, fine, the true vine, then everything is vanity and pointless. Jesus is the only life-giving vine. This morning, if you are seeking life from other things in your life, if you're seeking it from sin or from a person or from some idol that you have in your heart, it's gonna return void because the only life-producing vine is Jesus. Jesus is the vine and God is the vine dresser. The CSB says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. I like this picture of a gardener in that he cares for his garden. At least a good one does. <laughs> a bad one might not, but a good one does. <laughs> and we have a good God, amen? The gardener removes every branch that does not produce fruit and every branch that does produce fruit is pruned. You see, the only way to produce fruit is being connected to the vine. It doesn't make any sense <laughs> that fruit and vegetables would grow apart from the vine. We wouldn't take a squash off of a squash plant. I don't even know what squash plants are, if it's a plant or if it's a vine, I'm not sure. But here's the thing, you wouldn't take that squash off, right, and expect it to get larger. That makes zero sense, right? We can't take a grape off of a grapevine and expect it to get larger or grow bigger or get sweeter or get juicier. The minute you pluck that grape or the minute you pull that fruit or that vegetable, it stops growing. A branch on a tree will not bud leaves if there's no sap flowing from the tree trunk to the branch. If you've never seen a dead limb, I live over there if you don't know it, and you can pull out and there's a couple dead limbs hanging off. That's a dead limb. You'll see it. You'll know what I'm talking about. It's hanging like this. All the other ones are like this. This one's like this. But you see, a branch with no sap is pretty obvious. You'll know it. It feels dry. It's dead. It hangs. There's no sap flowing from the tree, the tree trunk to the branch, church. You see, we notice when a brother or sister is dead and not alive. 
The same true as our walk with Christ. We cannot, no, we will not produce fruit unless we're connected to the vine. We have to be connected to Jesus. We cannot grow in and of ourselves. We cannot expect to disconnect from his church and from his body and then expect to grow. We have to remain in Christ. You see, we might be able to come in here on a Sunday morning and smile and shake some hands or bump some elbows or make some coffee or play an instrument or sing some songs or even teach, and we might be dying on the inside. Because here's the thing, like you can force fruit to come out. But that fruit will eventually return vain. You see, if left to ourselves to love others to Christ, we will fail because Christ first loved us. We know how to love other people. True fruit, good fruit, comes when it's connected to the vine like the branch connected to the tree. That's the only true good fruit that comes. There are two types of followers of Jesus per this passage here. There's those that do not produce fruit and those that do produce fruit. Those that do not produce fruit, they're cut from the vine. The gardener removes those branches that do not produce fruit because he only wants the good fruit, right? Those that do produce fruit will be pruned. Now, again, I'm not a gardener, but pruning is an interesting concept. It's the cutting away of dead or overgrown branches or stems to increase fruitfulness and growth. Jesus says that if we are connected to him, then he will prune. Pruning is the cutting away of dead or overgrown branches and stems to increase fruitfulness and growth. Jesus specifically says that those that do not or that do produce fruit will be pruned. Church, this morning, if you are a follower of Christ, you can expect to be pruned. You can expect to be put into situations that challenge you to grow you. You can expect to be put in situations for God to cut sin out of your life, to prune you, to become more like him. I don't know about you, but pruning sounds like a potentially painful process, right? You're cutting, (laughs) removing, Immediate. It involves cutting away the dead parts of us, the parts that have overgrown in and the parts that we've not grown enough in. The idea of pruning is that you cut away the parts that are not necessary in order that we might grow in another area. The whole point of pruning is growth. This morning we might think that God is just putting us in these situations to challenge us or just be a mean God, but God is trying to grow us when we are in a situation to be pruned. The whole point of pruning is growth. Jesus never says that being a follower of his is an easy task, and this passage only further proves the point. If we're a follower of Christ this morning and we're producing fruit, then then we will be pruned. We can expect it. He said it. You can expect to be challenged because your gardener wants you to produce good fruit. He wants you to love one another to him so that other people come to know him. He wants you to produce fruit. Why? Because when we produce fruit, we are proven to be his disciples. And all of this, I'm not saying that we're saved by our actions and what we do or don't do. I'm not saying that you're saved if you do produce fruit and you're not saved if you don't produce fruit. What I am saying, though, is that if we aren't producing fruit, then we might not be in Christ. Because I believe, and I think you believe, church, that if we serve a God who does what he says, here he says he will produce fruit. If we're not producing fruit, then we can assume maybe we're not in Christ. 
because I believe Christ is faithful in the future, he's faithful now, and he's faithful in the past, and he will be faithful to do what he says to do. If he said he's gonna produce fruit in you, he will. And so if you're not, then we need to evaluate, are you a follower of Christ this morning? We're saved by Christ alone, by his grace alone, not by us producing fruit and not producing fruit. We are saved by Christ and Christ alone. But if we're saved by Christ and Christ alone, then we will produce fruit. You might take offense to me saying, if if you aren't growing, then you're not a follower, but here's the thing, it's the truth. I understand dry seasons, I understand seasons where you're not growing and little to no growth. I mean, think about the winter, right? Nothing grows in the winter, but then what comes? Spring, and when spring comes, growth starts. There are seasons of no growth. This morning, you might be in a season of little to no growth. You might be in a season of 20 years, maybe 15 years. I don't know how long your dry season is. But we gotta come out of it at some point. If you're the same person today as you were when you first came to know Jesus, there needs to be an evaluation that takes place. If you're the same person today as you were when you became a follower of Christ, then you need to evaluate, are you producing fruit and are you in Christ? Because if you're allowing Christ to be king in your life, change will occur. So there's two types of followers, the type that only follows by saying they follow, and those are those that do not produce fruit. And then there's those that do produce fruit, and they allow Christ to radically change their life so that it produces new, sweet fruit, and then fruit that loves other people passionately to Christ. The second thing I want you to see is the end result for the two types of disciples. I've lost track on the the screen. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go back here. Yeah, we'll leave it up on that one. How about that? That sounds good. (laughs) I've lost track. And I don't want to catch up. That'd be awkward. Maybe less awkward than right now, but. (laughs) So the second thing I want you to see this morning from our passage is the end result for the two types of disciples, the end result. Starting in verse four, says, remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you're the branches. And the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like the branch and he withers. They gather them, they throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. So verse four says that the branch is unable to produce good fruit unless it remains on the vine. Like, that makes sense. I've already expounded on that a little bit. We would not expect fruit to grow on a dead vine. We would not expect fruit to grow on a false vine. But we can expect fruit to grow on the true vine, Christ. This makes logical sense, right? True growth, true life is found in the true vine, not the false vine. Just like fruit can't be expected to grow when it's not connected to the vine, how can we as followers of Christ expect to grow when we are not connected to the vine? If you're a follower of Christ in this room this morning, you yourself have to be in Christ. Not your kids, not your spouse, not your grandkids. You yourself have to be a follower of Christ in order to produce fruit. 
It is great that your kids and your grandkids and whoever else, your spouse, your friends, are in Christ, but you yourself have to be in Christ. You cannot rely on the relationship of Jesus with other people for you to grow. You yourself have to be in a relationship with Jesus. You can't be too reliant on programs and an organization so that if you attend everything, you can check the boxes and say that you're growing. You have to be reliant on Christ by yourself. Some of us are too reliant on programs. We have to be reliant on Christ alone, himself, to produce fruit in us. But let me put you at peace this morning. Christ doesn't expect us to grow fruit on our own. He does not expect us to grow fruit on our own. You see, we've been talking about the need to produce fruit. And I feel like that's an abstract thing to think about, well, how do I produce fruit? Maybe I need to do more of this, less of that, and that's not where I want us to go this morning. This morning, we just have to trust in the vine to do what he says he will do because he will produce fruit in us. We don't do it ourselves. Christ doesn't say go and produce fruit on your own. He says that a branch can't produce fruit on its own. You can't passionately love others to Christ so that they become believers. You can't do that on your own. You cannot bear fruit on your own. You see, if we remain in Christ, then we produce fruit because Christ produces that fruit inside of us. We don't produce the fruit. The grape doesn't say to the vine, hey, I'd like to grow a little bit more. <laughs> Can you give me a little bit more whatever makes me grow? <laughs> no, the vine decides. <laughs> this morning, are you okay with the vine deciding it's time for you to grow? Without Christ, we can do nothing, and that includes producing fruit, church. You see, Jesus is saying to his followers, listen, you need to produce fruit. You need to produce fruit, and you need to prove to be my disciples by bearing much fruit. But here's the thing. I'm gonna produce that fruit in you. I'm gonna produce that fruit in you so that as long as you stay connected to me, you are growing, and you are loving others to Christ. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you stay with me, if you love me, if you take up residence in me and you follow me, then I'm gonna be the one that produces fruit in you, not the other way around. <laughs> I don't expect you to produce fruit on your own. You see, when we try to produce fruit on our own, we end up like the dead limb hanging from a tree. We separate ourselves from the vine and we get sucked of all the sap that is in us. See, for a season, we might have enough reserve sap inside of us to produce fruit, maybe to bloom for a season. But then the next season comes and there's no sap. There's no Christ. Some of us are right there this morning. We might be able to fake it for a moment and be able to blend in for a moment with other followers of Christ, but eventually that dead limb is gonna fall off of that tree. That dead fruit, that dead vine that you cling to is gonna fall off. It's gonna kill you, literally and spiritually. You see, we might be able to try to produce fruit on our own, but when we try, even our best is not the best. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. 
Even our best, most righteous acts before God are like polluted garments and rags. When we try in and of our own to produce fruit, which is a good thing, it's not enough because we are completely reliant on Christ to produce that fruit in us. When we remain in Christ and allow God to prune away the sin, the idolatry, the areas that we need to have pruned away, then we will produce fruit that lasts. Why? Because our efforts are futile, but Christ is never-ending perfection. What Christ produces will remain. When we try to produce fruit on our own, we will fail in the long run because our motives are impure. We might get tired of acting. We start getting prideful, like, oh man, I've went a whole two seasons. <laughs> without truly relying on Christ to produce this fruit. We get tired or we start getting prideful, we start to get lazy. We just don't see the benefit for us anymore to produce fruit, so we stop. I can fake a smile like that. I can fake loving somebody. You can too. You can fake a relationship, you can do all sorts of things when we rely on Christ, that is love that will never, ever go away. We have to trust in Christ. Those that don't remain in Christ have no hope. Those that try forcefully to produce fruit just to fit into the crowd will be like a branch that a gardener takes and throws into the fire to be burned. Like I said, I can forcefully try to produce fruit of a disciple. You see, in this passage, he's telling his followers how he is the vine and his father is like the gardener. And so a lot of what he's saying might be figurative in nature, right? Is Jesus literally a vine and us literally fruit? No, but the language is there. We are like a vine and he is like, or he is like the vine and we are like fruit. But everything that he says in this illustration is true, including the branches that do not follow him being thrown into the fire. Church, this morning, let me remind us that hell is a very, very real place. Hell is a very real place that very real people go. People that we interact with daily. People that might be in our families. Might be our friends. They're not producing fruit. They might say they're in Christ on a Sunday and then live how they want to Monday through Saturday. And if they're not producing fruit, then Jesus says they will be gathered up and thrown into the fire. Hell is a real place. Jesus is saying that those that don't produce fruit by remaining in him were thrown into the fire and burn up. Here's the bottom line. Fruit is produced organically because the vine is true and the gardener is good. Bearing fruit is not something that branches do by force of will. So then what is the point of all this producing fruit, right? What's the point of bearing fruit if we can't do it on our own? If I can't say, well, I just need to bear more fruit during this season. I need to love others more to Jesus. The point is this. In order to produce fruit, we have to trust in Christ. We have to trust in Christ more and more every day. We have to choose to love him, to remain in him, to take up residence in him, and to allow him to change everything about our lives. This morning, I'm not telling you to do a better job at bearing fruit. This morning, I'm telling you to do a better job of trusting in Christ. I'm telling you that in order to bear fruit, and in order for us to produce fruit, we have to to trust in Christ, the true vine, to do that in us. This morning is not, hey, go out and do this, do that, don't do this. This morning is, let's trust in Christ. Let's rely on him to produce fruit in us. 
If we're not producing fruit, then we aren't in Christ because Christ is faithful to do what he says. If he says that he is the vine and we're the branches and that if we remain in him, then he will produce fruit in us, then I believe that he will. I believe that he will and you should too because he was faithful to do what he was in the past. He's faithful now, church, even during times where we don't know what's going on and he's gonna be faithful in the future. You can look back to Abraham and see how he's faithful to Abraham. You can look to Moses and see how he's faithful to Moses. You can look to your grandmother and your grandfather, your wife, whoever, and see how God is faithful now. Guys, if he's faithful in the past and he's faithful now, we can trust him with the future. If you're not producing fruit, it's because we haven't surrendered completely to the vine. We still have part of us clinging to a false vine that brings only death and destruction. Jesus, the vine, is gonna produce fruit in us if we've completely surrendered everything in our lives to him. Why? Because he was faithful in the past, he's faithful today, and he's faithful in the future. If he says he's gonna do it, I believe that he's gonna do it. And so, my question is, are you producing fruit? Because if he's faithful in the past, He's faithful now and he's faithful in the future and he says that he's gonna produce fruit and you see no evidence of the fruit of a disciple in your life, then you need to evaluate, am I a follower of Christ this morning? Jesus makes a statement that's often taken out of context at the very end that if we ask, if we remain in him and then we ask whatever we want and it will be done for us, right? You've heard this like, oh man, you just need to pray for that. You're a follower of Jesus. He's good to you. He'll bring you what you need. And he will bring us what we need. But here's the key to this verse. If Jesus' word remains in us, what are we gonna be asking for, church? If Jesus' word is in us, what are we gonna be asking for? The things of the kingdom. We're not gonna be asking for extreme wealth or a new boat or a new truck. The way that we pray and the things that we ask for in prayer drastically change when Christ remains in us. It moves from Christ, please bring me this new boat or bring me this new job promotion. And that might be a very, very good thing to pray for. But it changes from Christ, glorify yourself through this situation. I pray that your kingdom would be advanced and that your gospel would be known in whatever place I'm placed in right now. And I pray, Lord, that you would produce fruit in me so that I will love others to you. Last thing I want you to see this morning is this. It's in verse eight, and it's proved to be disciples. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. See, when we produce fruit, we prove ourselves followers of Christ. We're not saved because of an amount of time spent in church. We're saved. We can know that we are believers and followers in Jesus because we're producing fruit. We know we're connected to a true vine, not a false vine. God is glorified when we produce fruit. I believe, I might be wrong, but I believe that the chief end of man, the Westminster Catechism says, the chief end of man is to glorify God, right? Church, this is how we glorify God. We produce fruit, and we allow him to produce that fruit in us. May we glorify God, church. May we be people that produces much fruit. May we be passionately loving others to Christ. I hope that rings true 
And I hope that you know what that is. <laughs> that statement's written out on our wall. That's our mission. Passionately loving others to Jesus. Church, may we passionately love others to Jesus by bearing fruit and glorifying God. So then how can I say that if you're, you're not producing fruit, maybe you need to evaluate whether or not you're actually following Christ because Christ says so. He says that if you do produce fruit, you prove to be my disciple and you glorify God, which means if you're not following Christ and you're not producing fruit, then you're not, follow, you're not a follower, obviously. <laughs> Church, this morning my question to you is this. Are you producing fruit? It's as simple as that. Are you producing fruit? This one question, though, it encompasses a lot of things. If we're producing fruit, then we're allowing Christ to remain in us and for us to remain in him. So church, this morning, are you allowing Christ to remain in you? Forget about how you grew up. Forget about what you think you know what is right from wrong. Forget about how you've always been in church. Forget about all that stuff and answer the question, are you producing fruit? I hate to break it to you, but no, I'm not going to say that. <clears throat> that was good. Good filter. Are you connected to the vine? Are you connected to the true, wonderful, mighty, powerful vine of Jesus Christ? Or are you connected to a false vine this morning? Are you still trying to get life from a sin? or to get life from the way that you live, or your job, or money? What are, we try, what are we pulling our life from? We should be pulling it from Christ. We have to be able to answer this question. We have to be able to look at our lives and evaluate and answer the question, am I a follower of Christ today? Because it matters. Here's the deal, there are people out there in our lives, church, that are not producing fruit, people that we know, people that might be in this church that say they're followers of Christ on Sunday and then live how they want Monday through Saturday. But Jesus doesn't say that fruit is only produced on a Sunday. We should be burdened for those that are not producing fruit, that we see, that we know, are in our body that are not producing fruit. We should be burdened for those this morning that do not know Jesus, especially during this season. As Linda prayed, hell is a real place, and there are people that are dying and going to hell because they do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, this should be a time for us to go and boldly share. <laughs> what a great opportunity. People are willing to listen right now. They're quarantined. <laughs> FaceTime them. <laughs> I don't know. Share the gospel. There are people who claim to be followers of Christ who are gonna be thrown in the fire because they produce no fruit in their lives. The application for this morning is this. Simply answer the question, are you producing fruit? Church, I'm serious. This is a serious question that we have to answer because if we've never changed from the minute that we have become a follower of Jesus and we're still the same person today, that we need to evaluate, are we in Christ? And is Christ in us? And is he producing fruit in us? When you answer that question, then evaluate, why are you producing fruit? 
Are you producing fruit because you're forcing it to happen? You're forcing the smiles? You're forcing the love? Are you producing fruit because Christ in you motivates you to love other people? This morning, church, ask and answer the question, am I producing fruit? I pray, church, this morning that you would not be scared to admit that you don't know Jesus. If there's somebody in this place or live streaming or podcast, whatever, that has never placed their faith into Jesus Christ today, today's the day. And let me just say, if you're scared because you've been in church your whole life, maybe you serve on a team and you know that you're not truly following Christ, do not be scared what people think about you. Get right with God this morning. Thanks for listening. It is our prayer that this message has helped you grow in your walk with Christ. Please subscribe to hear new sermons each week.